Hello, everybody. My name is Jay Starks. I'm a uh, writer, actor, producer, director, filmmaker. Let's just say that. Blanket statement. Um, but yeah, so I'm a working actor in the U.S. of A. in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's 2023. This is the pilot episode for the my new podcast that I wanted to do. I've been I've been thinking about doing this podcast for a while now. Um, playing around with different formats, different um, thought processes on how I should execute this. So this is the pilot. So it might be a little bit rough, but I don't. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope not. Um, my goal <clears throat> is to keep this podcast definitely under 45 minutes if possible um and if not a nice tight 30 so you can listen to on your commute to work what have you we might do 45 minutes um if we have another guest on so and then if it's just me it might be 30 minutes i'm trying my best to stay as close to that as possible um so bear with me anyway welcome to the pilot episode so this one's going to be a bit longer than more than likely than the others because of just trying to open a door line of communication so you can see what I'm setting out to attempt to do. So anyway, as I said before, I'm a working actor, aspiring um, filmmaker of all sorts. I love film. Give you a little background about myself because this is the pilot. Like I said, Jay Starks, J-A-Y-E-S-T-A-R-K-E-S. I'm a working actor. I have written produced and directed approximately 11 or 12 short films of my own. I've also directed theater, uh, all those short films as I mentioned. And I've also starting start, I'm starting to get more into the producing side. I've always produced because I've used my own money, what have you, but I'm starting to get into more of the producer side, whereas all the logistical stuff and things that I want to work on as far as making myself a better filmmaker, you know? So, I when I'm not working on set as an actor, I work on set as an on set dresser for professional films. So I've done (laughs) I have a lot of experience on film and I love it. That's not saying that I'm a know it all at all. In fact, this is why I want to do this. I want to be able to talk about films so I can improve as an actor, as professional, as a filmmaker by watching other films be in these films may be from a different country they may be from a different era altogether most often than not they're probably going to be films that i've watched for the first time so this is my first initial reaction after watching the film for the very first time i feel as though that's kind of the best way for me personally that i learn if i go and watch a film and i see a awesome you know camera shot or the production design those kind of things are, are what I want to talk about or and of course performance story sound design the whole nine I love every 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 single aspect of filmmaking I'm a little um I might drive people crazy when the, when the film comes out because that's all I want to talk about so yeah uh so much so like at one point in time I was going to watch a movie every every week that at the movie theater let alone what I watched at home and often by me being a filmmaker and actor then I'm always learning something from other people even if it's a film that it's not my favorite or that I feel as though is missing something you can still learn from that and that's what I want this podcast to be about 
I want to just sit down, give a gut reaction on the film and discuss it with friends, family. So I might have some actor friends on board from time to time, hopefully some up and coming directors as well. And just sharing the wealth using that extended family for those that work in the film industry, you know, it's almost like a family situation, you know. So that's what I want to do. I've been wanting to do it for a while and now figures it's a good time to pull the trigger. Unfortunately, there is a WGA strike and a SAG actor strike right now. So everything is completely slowed down and come to a halt. And here's hoping that all of those I'm not SAG yet, um, but the people that are SAG and the people that are in the union of the WGA, I hope and pray that they get what they deserve because I imagine our world without storytellers and creators and it seems very bland to me you know um filmmaker work works they inspire us all in some way they inspire you either to be better if you're a filmmaker or if you're just uh not a filmmaker you're just a person who just enjoys films you might have a cathartic moment from watching a film and it can touch you and you can think about it and it carries with you and that's what i want to discuss okay so, like I said, it's going to be a bit longer for this one, but just just so you can mm, mm, feel this passion, you know. Um, so anyway, with the strikes going on, I feel like my auditions, like everyone else, have either tanked or completely don't exist for the most part. So now I figure it's a good time to to uh, kick this bad boy off. I don't know why my voice just cracked like that, so I apologize. Anyway, so that's my introduction. So thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I don't have a name yet. We might figure that name out by the end of this episode or at some point in time. <laughs> there might be an intro intro to this one with the name of the podcast. We'll see. So anyway, um, to start off, let me give you a little quick rundown. Like I said, I was thinking of the format and the close friend of mine, another actor and podcaster kind of gave me inspiration on a, what we think is a cool way of establishing what we're trying to do. So. Shout out. Oh, by the way, his name is Rob Smith. Shout out to Rob Smith uh, as an actor. Fantastic guy. Fantastic talent. And he has a podcast called Chewing the Fat. L literally chewing the fat. Like, you know, the, the turn of phrase when you just like chewing the fat, just talking to people kind of deal. And it's a, it's a podcast that's inspiring and motivational and inspirational all at one time. If that makes sense, like he, he has different artists on and just different people that to have a story to tell. And it's all about sharing positivity. So thank you, Rob, for this idea. Um, or should I say thank you, Rob, for helping me pin the format or get closer to the format, should I say. And more importantly, thank you for your podcast. I was actually on one of the podcast um, episodes as well, too. So you can check that out to see what how. My journey as a working actor started and I can't remember when I did it. So or <laughs> how it started, should I say, and where I was at at that moment in time. Hopefully I'll get back on that podcast and I can give an update. But anyway, um, so going forward and starting now, the what my thoughts are, the thoughts are that I'll do a quick introduction for the project of researchable things that myself or anybody can find on imdb okay so we'll discuss that first and then we'll give opinions on my, my 
first gut reaction opinion, you know, because these movies can range from horror to comedy to science fiction. I, I, I don't know, but that's where I'll be putting my my viewpoint on what to be expected and hopefully not to the point that it'll, you know, tarnish my enjoyment of the film. Anyway, that'll be the first part. Second part will be when I come back after watching the film, I'll be taking some notes on things that I want to hit, for example. And those notes could be on production design, sound design, directing, acting, story, pacing, anything that has to do with film, with, has to do with filmmaking. So the second portion will be pretty much what I liked, what I may not have liked, how I felt, what I would have changed. And this is completely subjective, of course, because once again, I am a filmmaker. So how would I have done a particular scene or a particular sequence or a particular shot or whatever the case may be? That'll be the the returning segment. That'll be when we talk about that portion. So I think I've named everything that I wanted to do. So once again, I had to had to put it out there so everybody knows. And it looks like we're about nine minutes, 30 seconds in. So. We'll go ahead and get started on just some some basic facts here about the actual production. Okay, so here we go. All right, so first things first. I need to stop the static just happening. Sorry about that. Um, So first things first, today, our pilot episode is going to be. Sorry, I had a little bit of interference. Our pilot episode today is going to be Teen and Tina. Oh, is it 10? I don't know. 10 and Tina? Tina and 10? We'll see what it's called. Um, So I have it pulled up as of right now, 2023 August. It's a Netflix original film. So that'll be uh, uh, Netflix. Yeah, so it's on Netflix. Tina. 10 and Tina, sorry. According to IMDb, it's 119 minutes, a horror mystery thriller. And to give you the logline, for those who don't know the logline, it's the one or two sentences that um, summarizes your film. They're really hard to come up with. I've gotten better at doing it, but they're pretty hard. So anyway, the logline for this one, according to IMDb, is after a tragic abort lola and her husband aldofo adopt teen and tina two lovely brother and sisters brother and sister with an ultra catholic education that makes them interpret holy bible verbatim okay this is according to um i'm to be pro came out in 2023 directed and written by ruben stein and apparently according to i'm to be IMDb, this is based off of a short film of the same name. I love when there's short films, etc. So the short film looks like it came out in 2013. What I love about if there's a short film like um, David F. Sandberg, like the lights out feature and the short film is you can see the, the two of them. Oftentimes, if I know it's a short film, I'll go and watch the short film first, because in my experience, that's the thing that's like top notch. I don't know if he initially did this as a proof of concept or just a short film and then was able to come up with a feature length, um, which is what I plan to do for some of my uh, projects definitely coming up. So, yeah, 
Ruben Stein, Spanish director, looks like. Um, he's been in the game since 2007, directing stuff. Eight short films, three movies. Okay, yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to try to say these names without butchering them, so I apologize if so. They are all in Spanish. Looks like the cinematographer is Alejandro Espadero. I think I said that right. <laughs> and editor is Nacho Ruiz Capillas. Starring Melina Smith, Jamie Lorente, Carlos Gonzalez, Morollon, Morollon, sorry if I messed that up, and Anastasia, or Ana, Anastasia Russo. So that's the four. There's the um, Lola, Adolfo, and then the two uh, kids. So let's see what else we got here. Uh, Plot summary already. Oh, we already did the log line. You know what's interesting? Always interesting to me is to look and see what the now by this being Netflix, you don't really have a a box office, so to speak, unless they already released it somewhere. But it looks like they did release some stuff here and there. So we'll we'll see. It looks like worldwide lifetime total gross was a hundred and twelve thousand four hundred and fifty. Now a lot of times, some of these films have to be released in um, uh, a theater. So that might be what we're looking at there. Aspect ratio, 239 to 1. Color, Dolby Atmos. In Spanish, I will be watching in Spanish with the English um, subtitles. I kind of want to do that because I feel as though sometimes when they dub, the emotion, the original emotion isn't there. You know, in the vocal inflections and stuff. So that's why I want to make sure to watch it in its original thing, so to speak. Okay, production status 2017 to 2019. So two years of scripting, pre-production two years later. Filmed, this is July 27th through July 28th. He filmed in two days? That seems crazy. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I was trying to see if I could find a budget on here, but I haven't found that yet. It just has the gross, the gross world. Like I said, this is, of course, because the Netflix doesn't do it. So this is probably for any um, releases that they did within Spain or what have you, like in the theater. So anyway, let's get down to business. We're going to be watching 10 and Tina. Anything else that I want to make sure to bring up beforehand? Um, nope. Oh, yeah. Adoy. Uh, almost forgot. I want to give my um, my opinion. Tina Tina, I have seen the trailer for this. Um, and it looks like there's two creepy kids doing creepy kid stuff. I don't have kids right now. So anytime there's little kids involved, they always kind of creep me out. Like the shining and all those things like, oh, stop. Weird. Creep me out. So. I am excited about this. I tip like, man, watching horror films from other countries sometimes makes me ashamed of horror films in, in America. I feel as though sometimes our horror, our horror is so based on jump scares and um, essentially just being cash collectors that they kind of missed a spot versus films 
that are horror that are part of, I mean, horror is kind of from the suspense genre, in my opinion. You know, they're almost enhanced. So the more you can build suspense through pacing, editing, story, what have you, that to me is a better horror film, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I have high hopes for this one. Hopefully they're not too, too high, you know what I mean? But uh, so that's my opinion of this. I will be interested to see how these little kids act, so to speak. Um, yeah, is there anything else? I think that's it. Yeah, so let's um let's get a let's get it started. So that's my prediction. Um, and let's see how close I am to that. I'm pretty sure as I continue to do more episodes, I have more of an opinion. But trying to shorten this one a little bit since I already had to do the intro. So thank you so much, and um, bye bye. Welcome back to part two of 10, Teen, 10 and Tina. Did I mess up the name again? I just I literally just watched it. 10 and Tina. Yeah. Whew. So this is, <laughs> this is the, uh, the wrap up. So I think, um, first off, I'm gonna start. I just, I think let's just have a discussion about it. I, <laughs> I enjoyed the film. That's first and foremost. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna do a, you know, a rubric or arbitrary kind of scoring later at the end of this, but just to kind of get into subjective opinions here so first off before we get into that i want to say that the cinematography is freaking amazing that's first and foremost um every man i love how every shot uh that the director and dp you know um decided to do for this meant something there were there weren't that many cuts um, compared to films nowadays, and especially horror films. It was definitely suspense, suspensefully built, slow, methodic camera movements, which in 2023 just doesn't happen that often, especially in the United States with our films. I feel as though they had so much confidence the the dp and the director in what they were doing they knew exactly what they were doing where they would have some and i, I didn't write down next time that might be what i might do some like <clears throat> there's a couch scene in in there so hopefully you've already watched it if you're listening to this there's a couch scene that happens fairly early after tina and tina get adopted and they come to the house and wow you i mean they are not afraid to sit on a shot and just let the suspense build because they know you want to see what's happening they know that we as the audience want to know what's happening we we kind of 
are now trained to want to know what's happening, to see what's happening. But they held back like forever. First, it just settled on a static shot, wide static. And all you can see essentially was the kids heads bopping up and down until they come out to reveal the knives. So, you know, you as an audience member know what's happening and thankfully to the amazing sound design you're getting an idea but they're not showing you and that in and of itself makes you or at least makes me made me want to see more of what they were doing even though I know it's going to be it's gruesome what they're doing you know what I mean and then after the static long static shot of just the top of their heads and the sound design it starts pushing in at the slowest pace possible. I'm talking, um, what is a get out with the with the rabbit opening sequence that starts off on the rabbit eye and just slowly pulls out. Love that. But it's the reverse where they're just pushing it. I mean, they took their sweet, sweet time and I loved it. It was amazing. And the production design only helped to exaggerate the scene. Like with that beautiful couch that they had and the symmetrical lineup of everything in the shot oh my god it was nice um even so much with the lighting as well too they had the 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 fire going i believe it was what it was and that was just beautiful the production design was amazing i already mentioned touched on that had this old antique out of this world feel you know even down to their clothing of course so you know it's not suit is not 2023 at least it didn't feel like it's 2023 you don't really know what year it was but i did like that definitely uh even the kids are wearing gowns and things of that nature so i'm not sure what year that was supposed to be but that was nice but even from a production design point the the masks that the kids were wearing were on a wall and it was like now i, I should have went back and saw it or to see if i saw them on the wall initially but i definitely saw them after they wore Ward had warned them towards the end so that was cool very interesting production design was great sound design was great cinematography was great i from a technical standpoint i don't have any issues with this film at all story we'll get into that in a little bit um from an acting standpoint the uh the young woman whose name i am forgetting right now the lead she was the the woman lead her name the one who played lola melina smith did an amazing job i feel as though she could have between her and the director of course easily overdid it but i think it was just enough of that anguish especially towards the end with the um the ending sequence and i think it was just it was just the right amount, not too much, you know. So she did a bang up, amazing job. Now, and Mr. Jamie Lorente, Aldofo, sorry, I'm going to get into characters right now. Uh, he did a good job at as well. Initially, like when you first meet him, you kind of like the guy. I'm like, okay, he's a likable kind of guy. But then he weirdly turned into what I feel from a character standpoint has become sort of a horror trope where the guy never believes the girl. So I do, I did have a little issue with that. And I do feel as though, I mean, I guess he was a little distance from the jump, you know, from the get go, but 
he became like a complete a-hole man like he basically was in my opinion like he gas was gaslighting her definitely uh he didn't want to touch the baby uh what else he he never believed anything she said even after i mean to me if you saw that these kids murdered your dog i i understand like oh okay let's comfort and support them what have you but then when she shows him the illustrations of the kid and the dog to me that's a you putting two and two together you should and he's like oh no it's just imagination whatever whatever the hell his excuse was and i was like okay guy now you're getting i don't know if it's unbelievable territory or like i said that horror trope where the husband or boyfriend doesn't believe and she's just crazy and i have an issue with that because it's done so much to so yeah hmm yeah that was my my opinion of him so i do think he <laughs> kind of got his comeuppance when uh he <laughs> apparently was struck by lightning and caught fire because why are you why ah uh, this is why i don't understand i don't think his character was too i don't know why the character was the way it was between the gaslighting the not believing her and et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes out in the middle of a crazy thunderstorm to fix the satellite so you can watch TV, dude. Like, what do you think is going to fuck? Oh, excuse me. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, seriously, what do you think is going to happen? So I uh, honestly, when he got struck and was on fire, I was like, OK, screw him, whatever, because I was done with this character by then, you know. And so, yeah. Anywho, now onto the kids. Those kids are creepy. I'm not going to butcher their name. So I I would say Carlos, who played Ten, was amazing. And Tina, who played Anastasia, was amazing. I did write in my notes, are these wigs? And apparently they might have been or they dyed their hair or what have you. Because, man, and they really, they really went all in. Because even their eyebrows were blonde. No, not eyebrows. I guess that's kind of easy to his name. Their eyelashes were actually blonde as well, which I thought was a really nice touch. Like, I don't know how many people noticed that, but the hair and eyebrows, easy peasy. But their eyelashes were the same color. That, to me, was dope. That production, man, I'm telling you, production design is amazing. Um, So, yeah, that's my take on the care. Oh, yeah, those kids are creepy, creepy, creepy. And. Wow. I I was watching this and as a film student, film lover or what was that thing called when people love films? I can't think of it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I saw so many inspirational or at least what I thought might have been films or scenes that inspired this film as well, too. And I just kind of wrote them down as I was seeing it or at least when I was watching it, I immediately thought of this movie or that movie so the first one i definitely saw well there's a couple four or five i believe i i feel as though ruben was inspired by a little bit of alfred hitchcock who is my favorite direct one of my favorite directors with the whole vertigo when he did the staircase shot the god's eye staircase shot so that vertical shot vertigo shot alfred hitchcockian shot was in there i thought that was cool that was a little nod I also realized at the end that these kids had a children of the corn feel like the Stephen King novel with the, the hair and the somewhat of the delivery 
and I know you're they're using the innocence of the children and their odd behavior to make you feel unsettled, which I think the director definitely did. So I got a little bit of children at the corner, a little vertical with that shot. I even got a, a Brian De Palma shot of the split diopter with the kids uh, at the pool and Aldofo drinking and smoking while he's watching a game, soccer, I believe. And almost, I, I see they tried to, they either A, did a, a winner, but I think they, it was presented as a winner, but I'm pretty sure there was a cut or two within the last, I don't know, 15 minutes of the film that definitely gave me Rosemary's Baby vibes. Even like thinking about it now, I'm thinking about the haircut that Rosemary had in that film. I don't know if they, like the original OG. And even the the cradle that the little, the their actual son was in gave me Rosemary Baby's kind of vibe, you know? So I thought that was kind of cool because I love that movie as well too. So he had nice touches in between there that was cool and then let's be honest i also got heavy shelly duvall vibes from like the the anguish character towards the end of it with her just being depleted and defeated you know so very very much the shining and even i know technically jack nicholson was doing the hopping or what have you but she almost had that same walking cadence because of her legs so i thought that was also a nice touch so yeah, that was a couple of the films that just kind of popped in my head when I saw them. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. So I need to, it'll be interesting after I finish this, I'm going to look it up just to see what his inspiration was. And I would be surprised if everything I just said wasn't inspired by him. Because I mean, I saw it and I like immediately thought. So, so yeah. Now, last but not least, I want to get to the story I'm not quite certain where and like I said I need to try to watch the short film but I'm not quite certain where he wanted us as an audience to be at the end of this so the kids were definitely you know they were highly religious and I can see misinterpretation of the Bible, but I'm wondering, like, does Reuben, Mr. Stein, it is Stein, right? <laughs> Mr. Stein, I feel as though, did he want us to, is this one of those things where we need to think to ourselves, okay, is this person evil, is this person good, or these people, these kids, evil or good? And I feel as though he kind of sat on a fence, which might have been his thing, purpose, purposefully, you know, I was just struggling with that word. I was trying to, I'm still trying to think about it. And and this isn't like an Inception situation where Inception was meant to be kind of like that. But to me, I feel it. I, I, want, I don't want to say I feel cheated, but I wish there was something else. Or I wish I knew exactly where it was going because at the end of it, then she, I guess, goes and um, readopts the kids as well. And then they're like, oh, the kids were in the bed when I woke them up. But earlier they, they kind of dropped a little breadcrumb of how far away the house was from the covenant. So I feel as though the kids were supposed to walk it. But he said, what, six kilometers 
you know, I'm in America, so we don't really do meters. But <laughs> so six kilometers what, is six thousand meters, and then times three point three or whatever the the configuration is. So did these kids walk this whole thing? Because who would turn on? How did the music get turned on? So I feel as though there's like, oh hey, the kids might be doing this, but because it definitely wasn't a husband, I would assume. Because I would assume as soon as everything start trickling, uh, the lights and everything was after homeboy was struck by lightning. So who turned on this cassette tape? Was it the kids? Because it went just, it's a cassette tape. It's not going to just play by itself. You have to press the button. So that's my, that's where my confusion comes in as far as, Hey, are, are we supposed to believe these kids are like the spawn of the devil? Are they actually really good kids? Is this, did they, did they help push her towards faith? What are we supposed to feel about her character? Like, and, and even the pillowcase thing that came full circle. So then that way could get the answer. And that's where she found the kid. And that's nice. What have you. And I also have an issue. So at least that came back around that, that uh recall, but I also have like an issue with the Chekhov's gun. I feel as though like the poison versus the sugar kind of deal. Now, Chekhov's gun for anybody who's not aware is essentially um, Chekhov. Like he was a great teacher uh, of acting and film. And anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is in a film, if you see the reason they call it a gun would be in theater, of course, is when he was a theater guy. So I'm one of the greats of theater. But if you if a character presents a gun in or a weapon or anything for that matter, then that particular item should be used at some point in time to cover the story. Unless it's like a red herring situation. But typically red herrings are used to kind of swerve you to another way and make you look over there instead of the actual way, kind of sort of. So I feel like the poison was supposed to be Chekhov's gun. And then you see her tap something into the milk, but she says sugar. She said it was sugar, but to me, which is supposed to make us think, oh, shoot, she's about to poison the mom. I get that. But then, it's, but you didn't really, we don't really know that it was poison. So was it really Chekhov's gun situation? You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't capitalize off of the entrance or the initial presentation of it. So I think that's the issue I have with that. So anyway, the poison thing was a bit of a letdown because I definitely thought that was coming back around and yeah, I don't know. I, th I think as far as from a technical standpoint, this film is amazing. Amazing. From a story standpoint, there's a bunch of things that I don't like about it. Like they put on like the tin, put on the war paint and Tina was trying to make her drink the milk, which we are supposed to be wondering, Oh, it's we're supposed to probably think this is poison. Let's just be honest. That's that's where we're at, okay? But she doesn't actually drink the poison, so it doesn't even matter. She doesn't get sick, so it doesn't matter. And then, like, they took the, the leg, and then the husband came in. Um, Lola, are you not telling him that Adolfo, that they stole your leg, and they're about to put a syringe into your damn stomach to feed the baby? What? This is important stuff you should be telling him, so that way he's not even more of an idiot. You know what I mean? And anyway... From a story standpoint, there's some issues that I have. The gun or 
the Chekhov's gun <laughs> or lack thereof. Aldofo's character kind of just took 180 where you just did not like him at all. Even at the dinner scene, or you can get the baby, you know, you know, that's just so weird to me. And then the end, so they're lowering lowering him into the cemetery, and clearly she's adopted the kids again. And she says, Amen. So now she believes when more I feel as though she didn't really believe in higher power because so many things were taken away from her before. You know, her leg, her upbringing, being in the covenant, and losing a child. But then she found her faith again because of the fire, I'm guessing. But then why would you... And I guess the kids help her find her faith. But the thing is, what am I supposed to feel or think about the ending? Like, am I supposed... Is this pushing... Is this supposed to push the viewer towards religion or against the religion? That's that's what I'm a little concerned or confused about. So anyway, that's about 20 minutes. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to get these down a little bit better. But that's my opinion of it. Uh, Ten and Tina on Netflix. If you get a chance, watch it. And I will be interested to... It will be interesting to know what other people think about this particular film. I, I was waiting for a while to watch it. And now that I've watched it, I'm like, okay, I did a thing. It's a great study in filmmaking. Story character-wise, I feel it was, it was lacking. And I don't mean that as in the it's a bad film. It's just I don't know what I'm supposed to think or feel. And once again, going back to Inception with the spinning top, to me, because of the way that movie was set up from beginning to end, you are supposed to find your own um, solution. And depending on, to me, depending on your way of thinking, are you optimist or a pessimist, then that'll determine your thoughts with the spinning top. It's like one of two ways. But this one, Tenantina, I feel, if that's what they were trying to do, trying to make you walk away and think about it and converse or debate about it, I feel as though it didn't finish strong enough. Every implication they had was that these children we're kind of evil. We're doing a thing. And like they showed him at the covenant and then the other nun went to sleep. Okay. So that means the children can get out, but then they got back in bed. Did they wash their feet or hands or clothing when it got back to the covenant? So the, the elder nun was able to find them clean and didn't have an issue or she covering up. And then they also said they did bad things to shave the head. So what is happening? You know, it makes it feel like this whole covenant is kind of evil, even though I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be. Are these kids completely innocent? No, they murdered a damn dog. What else did they do already? They almost murdered a baby. Not necessarily potentially, but it could have been another dog situation. So what am I supposed to feel about these little weird bratty children of the corn kids? Is this for adoption or against adoption? I don't understand what's happening. Anyway, so that's kind of my, uh, that's my two cents about Ten and Tina. So thank you so much. You've been listening. Like I said, this is the pilot episode, so I'm going to be working on getting everything nice and tight, even as far as how to take notes and stuff. I'm trying not to make sure to rattle paper here while I'm talking on, on the thing. So anyway, yeah. I'm, and then I guess hopefully I'll have a name for this bad boy. It'll by the time it's up in public, it'll have a name. But 
by the time I do my next recording, hopefully I have a name that I can intro at the beginning of it. So anyways, thank you guys so much for um, listening. If you watched the film beforehand, which I highly suggest, just go watch it and then come listen to it. Then thank you guys. Make sure to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your loved ones. Make sure to like the podcast, share it. And I'm also open for film suggestions as well, too. So you can send any suggestions you might have to me. I'll eventually get an email up and running. Um, <laughs> so thank you, guys. I hope you are well. I hope you enjoyed the film. And I'll catch you guys next time. And that is a wrap. Thank you.